A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Murder Mile. Today, I'm standing on Westminster Bridge, SW1. Three streets west of the assassination of Sir Michael O'Dwyer. Four streets east of Thomas Meany being mistaken for a tailor's dummy. Four streets west of the odd excuse Martha Branning used to murder her elderly bedmate. And one street north of the cruel ship's captain who couldn't fathom why he was going blind. Coming soon to Murder Mile. Spanning the River Thames, from Waterloo to Big Ben, Westminster Bridge is an 820-foot-long, 85-foot-wide, seven-arch cast-iron structure completed in 1862. Supposedly painted green to match the seats our politicians' bonoidal bumps are perched on in the House of Commons. If that is true, I'd expect to see this bridge fiddling its expenses, banging rent boys, hoofing blow, sexing up weapons of mass destruction dossiers, and voting to pump 50 million tonnes of raw shit into our waters, having first sold their riverfront mansion. Seen as the epitome of calmness, the River Thames belies its dangerous side, as underneath its vast expanse of brown silt, in which visibility is zero, sits a muddy bed of thick sludge, impossible to wade through. Upon a nine-mile-an-hour tide with deep undercurrents, which can drag even the strongest swimmer under. With a dead body removed from the River Thames roughly every six days. Some die by suicide, some fall by accident, and some lives are lost as good Samaritans dive in to save those from their deaths. On Monday the 27th of August 1923, at 12.45am, 18-month-old Dorothy Kozlowski became the latest casualty to this treacherous water. Only she didn't fall. She was thrown in by her mother in an act of mercy, having been given some devastating news by a doctor that her daughter's life wouldn't be worth living. But was he wrong? Had she misheard? Or was this a lie? My name is Michael, 
I'm your tour guide, and this is Murder Mile. Episode 223, A Cripple for Life. In court, Mr Justice Swift would ask the medical expert, Have you heard anything in the evidence inconsistent with a sane, strong-minded woman passionately fond of her baby, taking its life because she was convinced it was the best thing for the baby? Dr Morton replied, That would be a very uncommon view for a mother to take. And although the judge heartily agreed, he would state, Unfortunately, we know of cases where people think the best way to benefit a child is to destroy it. Ada was one such woman. But what would drive a mother to do the unthinkable? Ada Elizabeth Street was an ordinary girl born on the 12th of February, 1897, amidst the bustling hubbub of King's Cross. As a working-class family, squeezed into a tumble-down, two-room dwelling, like overripe fruit squeezed into a grocer's bin. The lives of this family of eleven were not without poverty or tragedy. Of a surviving three brothers and five sisters, to Ada Attaway, her mother, and her father Thomas, a painter, Ada began her life as one of twin sisters. As the mirror image of the other, dressed in matching dresses and never far from each other's side, the first tragedy to strike took half of this young life. As barely into her infancy, although there was no history of epilepsy, her twin sister died of convulsions. Whether Ada witnessed this in her crib, the rolled, terrified whites in her sister's eyes, the forming froth around her Richter's grin, or her tiny body twitching in a fevered shake as her colour drained from peachy pink to a pale white with deathly tinges of blue, is uncertain. But as the first great grief to grip her, a worry which may have plagued her for the rest of her short, sad life, was whether this was hereditary. It's no surprise, but many described Ada as a happy sort of girl, but erratic, excitable and troubled. Especially as the family's tragedies continued. When she was 16, her young father died of a heart attack. As expected, her mother remarried, and although William Street was a good provider for the family, just like Thomas, he died of an aneurysm. And as if poverty and grief wasn't enough to burden this family, World War I brought terror to London. 
from this broken little home at 34 Lidgham Street in Kentish Town. Death rained down. As unlike the ceaseless cacophony of screaming bombers and doodlebugs, which draped London's skies in a choking cloud of fiery reds and doom-laden blacks, Germany's fledgling air force unleashed its first blitz on the city by airship. As a fleet of monstrous balloons drifted silently, looming like the Reaper himself. Life was hard for Ada, as it was for many who were sparsely educated and barely skilled. And as a short, dumpy girl with freckled cheeks, a vague grin, and a brown bob as ragged as a fox dragged backwards out of a bush. She hadn't got the benefits that her more attractive contemporaries would unfairly get. When she could, she earned a living as a domestic servant for middle-class women. Age 19, she was imprisoned for 21 days for stealing blankets. And prone to making rash decisions, as too often her emotions were fueled by depression. She was mostly teetotal, as drink often clouded her judgment. Ever since she could remember, Ada's life had been plagued by loss and tragedy. On the 28th of April, 1920, Ada Street married Alexander Kaslovsky, also known as Alec, a Jewish cabinet maker who was born and bred in Hoxton to a German mother and a Russian father. Living with his mother at 13 Kent Street, for the first two years they lived happily enough. But with Ada, Having told an odious lie from the start, which no one ever spoke of, soon enough, their marriage unraveled. Conceived on their wedding night, although they were both thrilled at the impending arrival of this pink bundle of joy, five months into her pregnancy, Ada miscarried and almost lost her life. Many couples bounce back from such a painful tragedy. But for Alec and Ada, with the seeds of mistrust having already been sown early into their relationship, it didn't make them stronger, but more distant. Around this time, a frantic and depressed Ada wrote her mother a letter, in which she said, Alec was treating her badly. He had knocked her about many times. He had denied her money to eat or to live. And that seeing no way out of her dire and desperate situation, she said she wanted to drown herself. But when her mother came to the door, although denied access by Alex's mother, who disliked her, I didn't see any bruises. As far as I could tell, she hadn't been badly treated. I never saw anything in her husband to complain of. And although she complained of being hungry, there was always food in the house. 
talking to Alec. She heard that Ada had pawned his suit and some blankets to make money for herself. And that when she had told her mother that, she'd got consumption and a doctor told her she'd only got three months left to live. She couldn't find any evidence to back it up. But was this a symptom of Ada's depression? Her grief at losing the baby? Or was she making it up for attention? In December 1921, Alec and Ada moved into 105 Cambridge Street in Westminster. A small room in a three-story dwelling, hoping that a fresh start would do them good. As again, Ada was pregnant. The last few months had been an anxious time, as every time her stomach buckled with cramps, Ada's nerves frayed at the thought of another baby ending in a miscarriage. Only this time, with fate for once smiling upon her. On the 2nd of February 1922, a baby girl was born, who she named after her dead sister. A little underweight, but blessed with a healthy pinky shoe, dark hair like her mum, and all of her fingers and toes. Dorothy Catherine Kaslovsky was a happy and healthy baby, who all of the neighbours in the street, who once loved sleeping would agree, had oodles of energy and a very strong set of lungs. It should have been the epitome of perfection as Ada had everything she had ever wanted. But with a relationship in tatters, the stresses of a baby only made it worse. On the 7th of June 1922, four months after Dorothy's birth, Alec and Ada separated. With both of them moving back in with their parents, Ada obtained a separation order, and although Alec was required to pay a maintenance of one pound per week for the upkeep of his family, Ada's mother looked after the child. Whether it was through need or neglect, Ada restarted her job as a parlour maid, first to Mrs. Hogg at 22 Raddington Road in Hampstead, and later to Mrs. Lillian Richardson at 45 Haverstock Hill in Chalk Farm. Elsie Botting, a butcher's girl who made deliveries to Ada's work, would state, she told me her husband was an awful villain. He treated her badly and that she had left him. Although in truth, he had left her. So no one really knew whether he was a nasty piece of work or she was just fond spinning stories. Her employer, Mrs. Richardson, would state, once or twice, when she'd received a letter from him, she said that she would drown herself and the baby in the river. But I laughed, and I didn't think much about it. And who would? As a habitual liar, who had told tales to her husband her mother, her closest friend, and her employer. Even the doctors couldn't tell 
if Ada was sick, struggling, or lying. Later examined by Dr. Morden, the medical officer of Holloway Prison, she admitted she was depressed and dazed, that over the last few months, she'd had some severe headaches, suffered from insomnia, and had a feeling at the back of her head, which she described as the dripping of water. And the unrecognizable voices telling her to finish it off. Gripped by paranoia, anxiety and depression. With Ada separated from her husband, seeing her child very little, and with the unresolved grief of a dead father, a dead twin, and her first child also dead. How much of that statement that she gave, after the murder, to Dr. Morton is even true? Only Ada would know. Either way, it can't have been easy as plagued by the worry of hereditary illness. When Dorothy got sick, her anxieties flooded back. On the 12th of March, 1923, Alex's mother took Dorothy to see Dr. Lennox Broster, a clinician at the Children's Hospital in Hackney. Examined, the 11-month-old child wasn't in any pain, and she was sleeping and eating well. But when she raised her arms, it was clear that she had a weakness down the left-hand side of her body, which I thought was due to some kind of injury during birth. Dr. Broster would state, I had the child x-rayed, which ruled out anything sinister, and I ordered her to wear a splint. Over the next five months, Dorothy was examined, and as Alec confirmed, she seemed to improve. Only the relationship between Ada and Alec did not. As the resentment simmered, things came to a head when Alec was unable to keep up the payments as his work had dried up. And under Ada's care, the weakness in Dorothy's left arm hadn't got better, but worse. As the best solution to a bad situation, Ada had her daughter handed over to Alex's mother, with Ada calling by a day a week, often Tuesdays and alternate Sundays, to kiss and cuddle her baby. For the next few months, although they lived apart, the sparks often flew between this warring couple. As their child was used as a rope in an emotional tug of war, between the father who wanted to see his child well, and the mother who wanted to see her child more. With trust broken, lies spilled, anger seething, and tempers erupting, Often the child cried, and on occasions, the police were called. 
with Ada given permission by her employer, Lillian Richardson, to bring the child to work with her as she was unable to find childcare. On Monday the 13th of August, Alec paid a visit to 45 Haverstock Hill in Chalk Farm. He would later admit it was a stupid thing to do as he was angry, upset, and he wasn't thinking straight. As the hurtful words spawned into abusive curses and the baby screamed, Ada would state, he struck me three times in the chest. Mrs. Richardson tried to get him out of the house, but he pushed her away. And being witnessed by a neighbor, Alec later confessed, I lost my temper with my wife for telling me a lie. Of what, we don't know. I pushed her once or twice, and Mrs. Richardson threatened to shoot me. With no one hurt, it only seemed like a little fight. But that minor spat had big ramifications for Alec, Ada, and Dorothy. With the cogs of law churning, Alec was summoned to the Old Street Police Court for Ada's assault. Having been charged, the magistrate varied the separation order, giving Ada full custody of the child. And as the toddler tottered away from his mother's house at Kent Street, that was the last time that Alec saw his daughter. In the eyes of the court, Alec was a violent man, unfit to be a parent. And yet Ada was not a well woman. Just days before, still plagued by anxiety and depression, she told her mother, Suppose I did myself in. Only her mother dismissed it, as Ada had always been a habitual liar. On Friday the 24th of August, Ada took Dorothy to the Children's Hospital in Hackney. Dr. Bruster stated, I believe that was the first time I'd seen the mother. So although she'd been told everything the doctor had already said by her mother and Alex's mother, he was obliged to go through it all again with Ada. The child was unable to raise the left arm above the shoulders, and there was some weakness in the left leg. I had the shoulders x-rayed, and there was an ill-defined upper paralysis, for which I ordered a splint to be worn. I told her it was probably a birth injury, and that it would take a little time to get well. As a fit and healthy toddler, Dorothy was still growing, and like many children with a minor disability, they had caught it early enough and they were able to do something about it. But sometimes, in moments of crisis, we don't always hear everything that we should. And how we interpret those words is key. Dr. Broster stated in court, 
I told the mother that the injury was probably due to birth paralysis. I did not use the words infantile paralysis, a much more serious disability of which there is little recovery. Only Ada would claim, I was told by the doctor that she had infantile paralysis. This distressed me, as several people had told me there was no cure. And having cried her eyes out, as she told her loved ones that Dorothy had a tuberculous spine and was likely to be a cripple for life. Maybe with the memory of those she had lost still haunting her, it made me decide to destroy myself and the baby. Nobody believed her story, as nobody ever had. Sunday the 26th of August began like any other day. Having dressed Dorothy in a pink woolen coat and hat, Ada fed the little tot, popped her in a pram, and they both headed off to Regent's Park to feed the ducks. To anyone watching that day, Ada looked like any other woman doing her duties as a loving mother. But underneath, she was a swirling torrent of depression. As according to Ada, inside of her tired brain, the relentless dripping of water flooded her mind. That day, she quit her job. She handed her mother the keys to her trunk. She drank a whiskey, which was strange as she'd always been teetotal. And she wrote several letters to her loved ones. To her mother, she wrote, This is just a goodbye forever. I hope by the time you receive this, my baby and I are dead. I cannot face anymore. It broke me up when I was told that my baby is a cripple. So goodbye to all, from Ada and baby. To her friend, Mrs. Gilbert, I thank you with all of my heart for the pleasant times you have given me, but I can't go through any more, so I've taken my baby with me, where we shall know no more pain. And to her husband, Alec, she enclosed their marriage certificate, daughter's birth certificate, and their separation papers, as well as a letter as grammatically terrible as it was chillingly cold. It read, I shall never hear from you again, and you will never see Dorothy alive. I shall never know, but the day will come when deep in your heart, you will be sorry. I have kissed Dorothy for you. So goodbye from Dorothy's mother. But having sent it, by the time he had received the letter, it was too late.
having caught the omnibus to Victoria Embankment. Ada was seen pacing along the north side of the Thames, her baby in her arms. Spotted at 12.35am by two men, John Puffer and Albert Arch. They would state, she looked at us. She was walking quickly and she seemed worried. So we followed her. At that time of night, Westminster Bridge was deathly quiet and ominously dark. As a still wind howled through the steel structure. With no buses, no boats, no cars, and very few people. Ada was little more than a shadowy spectre amidst the dull yellow haze of several streetlights and the face of Big Ben. As she cradled her baby on the first parapet, 40 feet below, this dark and dangerous river ran. On top, its flat brown expanse belied a fast greedy rapid of swallowing currents. A thick sludge which no one could wade through. And being high tide, it sped west faster than many could swim or run. Albert would state, when we got to 20 yards from her, she turned and threw her baby into the river. Sprinting fast, as the baby vanished under the bridge and into the murky darkness beyond. As they got close, she attempted to get over the parapet. She got over with the exception of one leg. I and my friend got hold of her. We pulled her back and held on to her, as a pal sent for a police constable. When apprehended, Ada was said to be quite calm. When asked why she had done it, she said, The doctor has given up all hopes of my baby. It is a cripple. At one point, she did ask the PC to save it. But with the baby gone, swept away and submerged into the silty blackness of the River Thames, only a fool with a death wish would try to save her. Detained at Cannon Row Police Station, Ada was charged with the murder of 18-month-old Dorothy Catherine Kozlowski and the attempted suicide of herself. Given a full statement of her actions, her demeanour was described as cold and unemotional. With her later stating, I'm not a bit sorry, because it's for the best. I should have been at the bottom of the river with my baby, if those men hadn't have got to me. And then asking, has my baby been found? Upon hearing that it hadn't, she replied, I wonder where she has got to. Five days later, Dorothy's body washed up on the foreshore by Barnes Bridge, seven miles west.
where it was taken to Mortlake Mortuary. Examined by Dr. Parry. The body was well nourished with no signs of violence. Death was attributed to asphyxia from drowning. And as for a disability, there was no disease in the arm or elbow. Most likely, an irritation in the spinal cord had caused the clenching of the hand. Declared sane, on the 19th of October 1923, Ada was sentenced to death at the Old Bailey. But later proven to be insane at the time of the murder, although without an ounce of sympathy, Mr. Justice Swift had declared, one must look with horror on any claim of a parent to take a child's life. With the jury sympathetic to her plea, as was the Home Secretary, her sentence was later commuted to life in prison. After two years as an inpatient at Broadmoor Criminal Asylum, Ada was released on the 28th of September 1925. And having served her time, she returned to her family, and the rest of her fate is unknown. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
F and F and F. F and F. It doesn't even it doesn't feel that warm outside, but Christ. Once you close all the windows and doors, oh I could take your little hat off. There we go. I'm bear with, bear with. I'm just gonna go and open this side door and open some windows. Oh Christ. Hang on. Oh it is a bit bakey outside. Oh feel that. That feels nice. That feels nice. That is a nice bit of wind coming through. Uh, just gonna take these down and gonna open. Uh, I've got a because I'm in a place, I'm in a place opposite where there's lots of geese, lots of annoying little mouthy geese uh, mouthing their mouths off and uh, people walking past. It's really weird when people walk past and you can hear part of their conversations. A bloke just went past earlier on and all he said was, yeah, 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 and a can of lager. And so I thought, uh, you're clearly a bit of a twat. Oh dear, I'm pulling out my pillows from the windows. Oh, they're baking hot already. They are boiling hot. I didn't think it was going to be hot today, but clearly. Fuck off, goose. Fuck off. Got gooses at my gooses at my window staring at me, going, oh, give me some food. Give me food. They piss off. Mouthy little bastards that they are. Right, let me just do me do me a tea. Well, not a tea, a coffee. Hang on. Bear with, bear with. There we go. Already prepped that coffee. Oh, that's better. God, that was warm. That was a bakey one. Those pillows are roasting. <sighs> so there we go. Wow. Yeah, it's a nice clear day. The problem is because it's a clear day, all the twats with their helicopters are out and all their little crappy little aircraft. Me, me, me. Oh, look at me. Oh, I'm flying in circles. Oh, how was your day today, dear? Oh, it was lovely. I, I flew uh, in circles and didn't go anywhere. And I left a little crappy little airport and then I flew around a bit and then I came back. Oh, well done me. Turd. Uh, anyway, that's that. What's going on? Uh, uh, haven't Still no cake. Still no cake. What date is it today? It's 23rd of August. And I haven't had cake in... When was that? End of May. June, July, August. That's three months. Three months without cake. Help. Please send help. Please. Please send help. Please send help and cake. Oh, I haven't had cake. Although the thing is, this is the problem, is I'm a, I'm a glutton. I'm a... Oh, did I say welcome to Extra Mile, un the unscripted, unedited bit? If you don't like this, switch off now. It's not a problem. Uh, we'll we'll dive into some uh, quiz questions soon and then some extra stuff about the episode. But this is just a waffly bit while I'm doing my cup of coffee. My cup of coffee, which uh, I haven't had milk in my coffee in ages. I haven't had uh, sugar in my coffee in ages. It's just a couple of grains of decaf coffee. Oh, I'm getting old. Um, so, yeah, I, haven't had I think my problem is dieting is I'm all or nothing. So the problem is, if I if I have some cake, then I'll go, I'll have three cakes, and I'll walk in, I'll buy lots of cake, and then my bread bin will be stuffed full, and I have to part, perch stuff on top, and then I'm just, like, gorging chocolate all day, and I just get really fat really quick. So it's either that, or it's going to die. And given the fact that I'm getting older, uh, and you've got to be careful as you get older, I just thought I'd be a little bit more sensible. So... Um, I, I let myself have a little treat every so often. I'm getting to that point now where I've lost enough weight. I'm down to my final notch on my belt. Not the fat notch, on the thin notch. And it's not tight to do it anymore. I've lost the love handles off the side. Eva's a bit upset about that. She likes she likes really, really grabbing onto them. Um, and uh, other places is, is not as, not as uh, 
fat anymore, which is good. So uh, it's just it's just been sticking to my diet and also doing my my thing where I eat in the morning every hour. I eat like carrots or an apple or something, and apparently that's good for eating every hour in the morning. Uh, gets you kicks you kickstarts your metabolism so it's you're not filling yourself up what you're doing is just getting your your stomach working at a steady pace so therefore you're you're burning stuff properly so uh and also i do a lot of walking as well this is taking a long time to um do my water maybe i'll put too much in uh what else is going on in the world not a lot i've turned around the boat i'm heading back uh to where i normally winter <laughs> jolly good show this is where winter uh, I have my summer places, which I'm currently in, which is nice, nice walk. Then I have my winter places, which is a jolly good show. Um, so that's all good. And I'm powering through, so I'm a week ahead already, which is good. Uh, so I'm going to get to enjoy. Go, go and visit my uh, the old folks in France and um, see them. And Because uh, I, I haven't seen them in... The, it's been a year now, so it'd be nice nice to go and see them. Is this coffee done? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it as not too hot. Otherwise, otherwise I will. I mean, I'll, yeah, I've put too much water in. Far too much water in. Yeah, there we go. I mean, I'm probably not going to drink this, am I? This is my, ooh. Ooh. I haven't got snacks, but I can. Oh, yes. A quaver. good had a little quaver that was nice what is the flavor of quavers cheese yes you're right but there's another flavor in there do you know what the other flavor is this is not one of the quiz questions do you know what the flavor is paprika there you go which is why when you look at a quaver it's got a slightly reddish hue in it uh, but they, but also if you taste it as a slight kind of a um thinginess spiciness there we go right let's do some quiz questions get ready folks right question number one how long is westminster bridge in feet so how long is westminster bridge in feet question number two how many people in how many people were there in ada's family so that's her her birth family so her mum her dad and the siblings but how many people is that including ada uh, question number three, what did her twin sister die of? Question number four, what did her stepfather die of? These are all nice, happy questions, aren't they? Question number five, what job did Alec do? Question number six, what was her first criminal offence? Question number seven, what nationality was Alec's parents? Question number eight, what was Dorothy's middle name? Question number nine, who did Ada work for before she worked for Mrs. Richardson? And question number 10, what was the name of Ada's friend uh, who was the butcher's shop girl? So there you go. Uh, let's dive into some extra stuff uh this is this is if you, if you haven't listened to this before this is kind of the stuff that um you don't always get a chance to put everything into an episode and sometimes quite often it's not worth putting everything in because i know people always go oh i'd like to know all of it but if i were to put everything in 
because I've literally hundreds of pages of documents and things like that. If I had to put everything in, no one would listen to it. And I know right now you'll go, oh, I would. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't listen to it. You'd switch off after five minutes and go, oh, well, it was a bit long and I, uh, I had other things to do and I was tired and it was a bit boring. Oh, can you put some music on it? Oh, some farty sounds. So uh, this is... Um this well, this is just extra stuff so we can dive into. So, um, the visit to the doctor. So we know that uh, uh, Dorothy had been visiting Dr. Lennox Ross Broster at the Children's Hospital, also known as the Queen's Hospital on Hackney Road, since the 12th of March 1923. So that's about five, that's five months before uh, the death. He said uh, she had a weakness down the left-hand side of the body, which I thought was due to some uh, injury during birth. He didn't think so. Therefore, he doesn't think that it's uh, a hereditary problem. He thinks, you know, uh, the, the baby was the way the baby came out probably caused some kind of kind of muscular problem. He put put it in a splint. He X-rayed it. He saw that the shoulders were fine. The arm seemed to be sh- fine. It seemed to be growing well. Uh, they he put it in a splint to uh, uh, to kind of help it help the kind of muscles adjust. So. He said it wasn't any kind of birth paralysis. It was or infantile paralysis. They call it. It was just. Uh, it was a birth paralysis. I.e., um, it happened because of the birth, not a genetic problem. Obviously, they wouldn't have used the word genetic back then. But obviously, with uh, Ada, she started referring to it as a tubercular spine, which nobody nobody said anything about uh, a tubercular spine in there, and that her daughter was likely to be a cripple for life, which the doctor didn't say. He actually said. Um, he actually said that, uh, what did he say? What did he say? Oh, he said, he said that over time it would, it would get better, uh, or it may not get a hundred percent better, but do you know, he, he said it was a good, good possibility that, you know, you, you keep it in the splint, you give it some exercise over time, it'll just get better. And don't forget the child is growing as well, but Ada didn't see it that way. Uh, so she pretty much told everyone that it was infantile paralysis. In fact, even in some of the statements of, uh, Ada's mum, uh, Alec's mum, and Alec himself, even they use the words infantile paralysis, which is kind of interesting. It makes you wonder who used that word first? Where did it come from? So could it have been could it have been the doctor? Could he have made a mistake? Could he have accidentally said infantile paralysis? Uh, could he have said it's not infantile paralysis, it's a birth paralysis, but she took on the word infantile paralysis, seeing it as the worst thing? Do you know, sometimes that happens. Um, as I've mentioned this story before, the time when I, uh, I injured my leg, it blew up to the size of an elephant's leg. I went into one of these uh, walk-in clinics and the nurse said, you don't need to worry, it's not cancer. And I was like, I didn't think it was cancer. I just thought I'd strain my leg. Uh, and three times she says, you don't need to worry, it's not cancer. And by the third time, I was like, shit, it could be cancer, <laughs> which it wasn't. But, you know, you have to, that's why it's really important to make sure you, not only do you have a good clinician good doctor whatever but also they're the kind of person that has a good set bedside manner and the type of person you could trust which is great uh so you know maybe he maybe he wasn't don't forget this is the 1920s so maybe he wasn't this is in an era where doctors are still i mean they're still quite arrogant today but still um they hadn't kind of adapted to the kind of way of we're here to treat the patients patients not to treat the patients like shit and basically tell them what to do so it could have been that it could have been an arrogance on his his behalf. We don't know. Uh, Alec had said the following week uh, I went to Hampstead and paid uh, Ada 
one pound. When my mother took the child, my wife showed her that the child could not open its left hand. So that was one of the problems is the child couldn't raise its arm, left arm over its shoulder, its left leg it was struggling with and it couldn't grip its hand. And as you know, like with babies, especially, you know, when they want something, they do the grippy hand thing, but it could only grip with its right hand. Um, my mother took the child to hospital in Hackney where it was arranged that the child should wear a splint. My mother took the child to the hospital regularly. It seemed to improve. Uh, the Friday before this happened, this was the murder. We were, uh, we were told that the child had infantile paralysis. So that's what Alex said, but it isn't said. Who said that to him? So that's the thing here is who first used that word? Why did they use that word? Where did it come from? Because this seems to be the start of the problem. Or with the fact that uh, Ada was clearly struggling with kind of uh, a long history of depression and anxiety and things like that. Um, and as we've kind of seen with her story, she has a tendency to kind of exaggerate and make up little things, either to draw attention to herself or maybe maybe to help her get through life. Maybe that's her coping mechanism. We don't know. So, um, yeah. Um, so whether she came up with this first, we don't know. We don't know at all. So, th But this is obviously... Um, where this all kicks off uh, as with the doctor he said uh, the child was unable to raise his, uh, raise the left arm above the shoulders and there was some weakness in the left leg I had the shoulders x-rayed there was an ill-defined upper paralysis which I ordered a splint to be worn so obviously if this was a birth defect you wouldn't do that because it's obviously something that's not going to get better but this is something that will get better uh, the the mother gave me no clear history of the child and i told her it was probably a birth injury and that it would take it would take time to get to get quite well she seemed very anxious for us to get the child away to the seaside uh, she uh, i didn't put this in the story because it kind of th slows it down she wanted to take the child away uh to uh south end i think on a holiday and the hospital was actually going to try and arrange that uh through their one of their um charity departments um day of the murder i i'd originally i built a whole timeline about what she did on sunday the 26th of august um but as i was writing it i just felt we kind of don't need this we just need to sometimes you just need to get to the point where you know that she's upset you know that she's struggling you need to get to the point where she's she goes to kill the child you don't need everything else building up to it so um on that day her husband had bought the child some clothes um he'd given ada one pound at about 4 p.m he obviously hadn't seen the child for a couple of days uh, she went around to see uh, mrs gilbert 28th st george's road just off regent's park um it she, around uh hang on uh, she'd gone to see her mum at one thirty p.m um she'd given her mum half a crown uh saying mum will you come for a drink which was weird because obviously um uh, ada doesn't drink or she doesn't drink that much but that day she did drink uh, at 2 p.m uh she went around to her place of work uh her friend whose name i can't mention because that's one of the quiz questions well done me uh, said uh yeah uh ada said that she was leaving hamstead for good i.e leaving her position her friend said where are you going ada said it doesn't matter uh you will have a letter in the morning and know exactly what happened something has compelled me to leave her friend said i hope you are not going to do anything silly and ada said don't worry i won't do anything to myself 
which um, obviously she killed the child and she attempted to kill herself, but did she really want to? Who knows? Um, obviously, her friend called Mrs. Richardson. Uh, she, um, Ada had left a note for Mrs. Richardson, who was her employer, uh, saying that she was leaving. Um, but they kind of didn't really know what to do at that point. She'd given back the keys to the property and she was leaving. And the, the, everyone could kind of say that she was in an unusual mood, but they couldn't really put the finger on it because she, she had a history of that. So it's kind of, it's not like, it's not like everyone here was like, oh my God, she's going to go to Westminster Bridge and kill herself and her child. It's like at this point, she's in one of these kind of weird funks that she gets into. And it's kind of, you know, when you look at it, quite often she gets out of it or she's uh, uh ugh, my brain has just gone at the moment my brain is literally just dribbled out of my arsehole i don't know what i'm doing anymore what's going on in the world uh for she went around to see mrs gilbert um earlier on that day she went around to see mrs gilbert um about 4 30 p.m she stayed for a little while she picked up uh three stamps of her husband uh, and then she started writing the letters. So we don't know where she wrote the letters. That she may have done it in her friend's house around there. Um, uh, uh, Mrs. Gilbert, her husband was Frederick Gilbert, a keeper at the Zoological Gardens in Regis Park, where, of course, we've already had a murder there. You're welcome. Uh, da, 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 da. What else we got? Um, let's go to this bit. Later on, so she met up with her mother around 9 50 p.m and ada's mother said that evening at 9 50 p.m i saw her outside of the ponsford public house on real street i went in there not with my daughter either she or, or my husband called for three double whiskies my daughter drank hers that was unusual she doesn't drink as a rule rule maybe a little port occasionally she then handed me eight shillings and some keys. That was the keys to the trunk and said, uh, I want you to mine these for me. And will you give these keys to Mrs. Richardson? I said, what's the meaning of this, Ada? You are surely not going to do something wrong. She said, mind your business. I'm a married woman. I please myself. I caught her by the arm and said, Ada, come home with Dorothy and I'll make you a cup of tea. See, that'll sort everything. And she said, no, uh, I'll call a policeman if you touch me. And then she left. Ada was seen getting on the number 24 omnibus to Charing Cross. Uh, Charing Cross and then she walked down to the embankment. Uh, let's go to... We got the letters here. I pretty much pretty much gave you almost all of the letters there. Um, the, the one she addressed to Alec uh, is a little bigger, but... Uh, it, I just edited it down. It said, uh, Alec, no doubt you will be pleased to read this letter. Well, it is just a farewell. I shall never see or hear from you again, and you will never see Dorothy alive by the time you get this. You will be free of your wife and child. I can go through no more. What is more, I can never see my child grow up a cripple. It is bro It has broken me up, so have decided to end things. Dorothy will... No, no more pain. Sorry, she's written N-O, not K-N-O-W. No, no more pain. Uh, I know I am to be blamed for a lot, but I never caused my child's affliction. Uh, the, 
the little heart mrs r i think that's mrs richardson me you can keep in memory of your little daughter see that's the way it's written it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, but then again she's in a distraught moment so you can't expect it all to be nice and clear uh now uh alec i shall never now alec i shall never know but the day will come when deep in your heart you will be sorry exclamation mark uh, i wonder if ever mrs dean will own up about the suit we don't know what that means at all or who mrs dean is because she's not mentioned anywhere in here i am now sending papers to you uh those are the papers included uh, i kiss i have kissed dorothy for you i shall never be taunted by you anymore so goodbye from dorothy's mother she actually wrote dorothy mother um we'll just dive into some of the stuff so um obviously we have a good description of what happened because of uh albert sydney arch who was a carman uh, and his friend, uh, who were walking along the embankment halfway between Northumberland Avenue and Horse Guards Avenue, he said, I saw a lady with a baby. She looked at us. The baby had a pinkish coat and a cap. Uh, she was walking quickly and seemed worried. When we got near Scotland Yard, so that's the old Scotland Yard, uh, we stood there speaking for about five minutes. Late, he's not speaking to, Dorothy, uh, to Ada. He's talking to his pals. Uh, later we saw the lady crossing past scotland yard towards westminster bridge we felt sorry for the baby and followed her we went onto the bridge we were rather suspicious when she got about 20 yards uh, from her she turned towards the parapet and threw her baby into the river she attempted to get over the parapet she got over with the exception of one leg i and my friend got hold of her leg and pulled her backwards we held her and harper who's one of his friends sent for a police constable Harper said to the constable she'd thrown the baby over the bridge. She said, yes, that's right. Can you get it for me? She seemed quite calm. His friend Edward Harper, who was a news vendor, also said that uh, when he asked her why she'd done it, she said, the doctor has given up all hopes of my baby. It is a cripple. Let me go with it. Uh, what else have we got in there? I, uh, the, both men uh, were told by the judge that they had acted with great courage and the two of them were awarded £2 and Edward was awarded £1. So it's a chance of not, not a terrible amount of money in that era. So that's probably going to be a couple of hundred quid. Um, let's just see what else there is uh she was apprehended by uh pc frank thompson tompkins pc frank tompkins of the metropolitan plot uh he arrived at twelve forty-five a.m uh obviously lots of uh, bottles of guinness falling out of his pocket maybe maybe not uh he said there was a crowd on the bridge about 12 uh people ish the prisoner was held by two men she was very excited and asked the pc to get her baby for her obviously he couldn't because the uh I, I hope i've made that clear in the episode it's really treacherous waters people look at it and it looks really calm and you see uh, some pricks during the summer jumping in but it's a really really dangerous water it's like if if the fast moving river i mean if you get it at slack tide because it's it's tidal so it comes in and out unlike most rivers that travel one way the thames comes both ways so it goes east and west depending on the time of the day and if you jump in the water during slack tide so that's between uh when it's going east and west it kind of it stops and then it reverses uh not reverses like beep 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 
but you can jump in at that point but you shouldn't because obviously as mentioned it's really silty it's uh if you were to go under no one would be able to find you and also because it's because it's incredibly muddy as well you can't stand anywhere you can't get out it can it can be waist deep it can be chest deep and once you're in it you're not going to get out so yeah i mean there's no way he was gonna dive in and get the baby also impossible to follow the baby down the water because the thames is really wide i mean it's a really wide uh river it's uh i think it is one of one of the highest tidal rivers in in the world as well um but also it's fast as well it's it can go as fast as nine miles an hour so hence you sometimes see people in boats on the thames and those of us who are on canal boats we can only get onto um the thames at certain times of the day so you, you've got to have like your waterproof on you've got to have a cb radio you've got to you've got to it's best to go in a convoy and you can't go when the thames is at its fastest because that goes at nine miles an hour and uh, our boats only really go around three or four miles an hour so um if you're going into the thames uh, you're actually going in reverse to five miles an hour if it's fast and if you're going the other way it'll be going you'll be going at like 14 miles an hour which is way too fast uh, but obviously you put the boat in reverse uh, and all you're going to do is slow yourself down to about six or seven miles an hour so you won't be able to stop so it's really 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 dangerous really dangerous really 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 dangerous so uh detective inspector aldridge uh detained her at cannon row police station so that's kind of that's more kind of uh city of london uh, on the charge of murdering her infant daughter by throwing her off westminster bridge oh i got hiccups uh and she said yes i did i did what i did was for the best and i wanted to go with her as mentioned earlier on um uh 2 30 a.m he charged her uh for drowning her daughter and obviously it was later added on you know the uh the, the suicide charge as well i think we've got a lot that she gave it she gave a statement uh, we've used uh, bits and pieces throughout uh, after signing it she stated i'm not a bit sorry because it was for the best i should have been at the bottom of the river with my baby if those men had not got me i'm prepared for the penalty as mentioned in the episode has my baby been found the di said no ada said i wonder where she's got to um ada handed the detective inspector a letter uh, stating this is for my husband but i've sent another letter a bit different we don't know what the second letter is uh we only got the first one uh, she was formally charged and her reply was yes that's quite right um she was uh let's do the discovery of the body so john barker on uh, 7 uh, 50 a.m on friday the 31st of august it's about a week away from where we are now uh obviously minus i was i was going to do this episode as the first one out in this in this part of the series because the anniversary of this actually fell two weeks ago but when i was going through i wanted to do that first episode first the the, the one we'd already done and i felt this was better kind of mid mid on the run so uh this was going to be an anniversary one but i decided because it was 100 years since the death of um dorothy uh so the baby was found uh while he was walking along the terrace in barnes near the white heart pub he said i saw the body of a child fully dressed lying on the foreshore partly covered with water which was receding i informed the police who took it away uh, um 
Uh, post-mortem conducted by Dr. Evan Parry, based out of East Sheen. He inspected the child's body and made a post-mortem. He said the body was well-developed and well-nourished. There were no marks of violence. The body had been immersed in water for several days, so it was actually about five days. In the head and brain, the vessels were congested. Water in the lungs, cause of death by asphyxia. Uh, he said, uh, as well as water in the stomach, there was also a partially digested meal, but all the other organs were healthy. Uh, Dr. William Lord also conducted the autopsy and he said, as far as I could judge, there was no disease in the arm or elbow. I should say some irritation in the spinal cord caused clenching of the hand. So there we go. Uh, the arm wasn't diseased in any way. Uh, it was an injury during birth, but something that would have got better. Uh, what else we got? I think that's all that on there. Prison report uh, on arriving at HMP Holloway. Holloway's the uh, the women's prison. You've got two just north of King's Cross. You've got Pentonville and Holloway. Pentonville's the men's prison, and almost immediately opposite, not too far away from there, it's HMP Holloway. Uh, on arrival in prison, it was said she was depressed and dazed. She did not appear to know her child was dead. Although uh, she knew something had happened, she was confused and unable to carry on a rational conversation. She did not sleep. She complained of headaches and the sound of running water in her ears. She also said she'd heard voices telling her to finish it off and drown herself. Her condition slowly improved and she was able to carry on a rational conversation. Uh, according to the medical officer of HMP Holloway, in my prison she was insane at the time of the offence, but she is now of sound mind and fit to stand trial. Uh, and I think that's it. I think that's all we need. Noisy people walking past. People talk loud, don't they? Desperate to talk loud, aren't they? Oh, it's numpties in, numpties in shirts. So unfortunately, there's some offices around the corner and they love to come out to the canal and they'll they'll stand by in a bit. One, one group of blokes in the tops, in shirts and ties, came past earlier on. One of them said, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I can't remember what, how he phrased it, but he said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about getting a boat. Yeah, there's, there's uh, one that I've been looking at that's worth 100,000 grand. And I was like, you're, you're an effing numpty. Because 100,000 grand is a million pounds. Because a grand is a million pounds. So that's 100,000 grand. That's a million pounds, not 100,000 pounds. One numpty. One massive numpty. I hope he's not an accountant. That's what I say. <sighs> what time is it? Almost one o'clock. Great. I'm going to walk. I'm going to do a little edit. I'm going to walk into town. I'm going to go to the coffee shop uh, and, and do my ting. Do my ting. And then eat my quavers. But first, I'm going to answer those questions. So get, get ready, folks. Let's see how many you got right. Don't forget, I haven't edited the episode. Ugh, children. Ugh, children going past. And a mum who's looking harassed and thinking, when is the school's going to come back so I can get these little bastards off my hands? Uh, <laughs> question number one. Uh, are children bastards? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, no, real question. Uh, question number one. How long is Westminster Bridge in feet? 820 feet so if you said something around 800 i'll give you that one Ooh, uh. Uh, question number two how many people were there in ada's family so that's a biological family so 11 that was her mum her dad and all of her siblings obviously we don't know how many of the children died so there's probably more uh question number three uh what did a twin die of 
So it's uh, convulsions owing to epilepsy. Question number four, what did her stepfather die of? An aneurysm. Question number five, what job did Alec do? He was a cabinet maker. Question number six, what was the first, what was Ada's first criminal offence? Stealing blankets. Question number seven, what nationality was Alec's parents? It had a German mother and a Russian father. Question number eight, what was Dorothy's middle name? It was Catherine. Question number nine, who did Ada work for before Mrs. Richardson? It was Mrs. Hogg. And question number 10, what was the name of Ada's friend who was a butcher's shop girl? It was Elsie Botting. <laughs> what a good name. Uh, so that's me done. That's me done, folks. Uh, hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, obviously, we'll be back next week with another another one-part episode. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for supporting it. Uh, obviously, uh, if, if you like... If you like Extra Mile, don't forget, um, on uh, Patreon, I do Walk With Me. And Walk With Me is like a uh, a half-hour, 40-minute kind of chat after I edited this. I let you into all the secrets about everything that goes into the episode, all the edits, all the little stuff that no one else will ever know, all hidden in there. Uh, and, yeah, and and there's lots of uh, crime scene photos and lots of other stuff. So if you join, you join for as, as little as $3 a month. It goes up to, I think it goes up to 7 then 10 then 15 is the top one and there's lots of goodies so uh feel free come and join us uh, there's also a trial at the moment so you can join it at a level for a week and you can browse everything and then if you don't like it it's not a problem you just say no so uh, but if you do like it you can stay and uh, the majority the vast majority of people always they always go yeah i'm gonna stay because this looks great uh and you can message me direct and ask me any questions that's not a problem at all so um, thank you very much, everyone, for supporting the show. Have a good week. Stay safe. Be good. Oh, that was a long walk with me. Sorry about that. Not walk with me. Extra mile. Sorry, it was a really long one. I'm going to shut up now. Shut up, Michael. So uh, have a good week, folks. Stay safe and be good. Lots of love. Wait. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.